This is Louise from UCLA Radio, and you're listening to The Menu. Good afternoon. You're listening to The Menu on UCLA Radio, a radio show and podcast about LA's wonderful food culture and the people who make it special. I'm your host, Belize. And I'm Henry. Right now, the food world has been turned upside down by COVID-19. So we're bringing you stories of chefs, owners, and anyone involved in the LA drink and culinary scene who is doing their part to survive during this time of crisis. Today, we're joined by Miles Soberoff and PJ McNow, creators of Zab's Dattel Pepper Hot Sauce, which pays tribute to pep- the pepper's naturally perfect balance of sweet heat and signature slow burn. Thank you for coming on the menu today, Miles and PJ. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. So, so did I get that right? Is, is Dattel correct? How do, you, how do you pronounce your famous pepper? I think the answer is that we don't know. Um, the pepper itself grows in St. Augustine, Florida, um, and it's kind of got a mythical quality about it. Um, people there pronounce it daddle, so we do the same. We think the name has Spanish origins, datil, which I think actually means date, and the peppers kind of look like dates, a little bit shriveled up like, but we call them daddle peppers because uh, our peppers are grown in Florida, um, so we like to sort of honor, uh, how they, how they call it. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about how Zap's hot sauce came to be? Yes, I can. But before that, uh, I just want to tell you guys that when you reached out to us about doing the show, we did a little bit of homework on you guys. And when we saw that you had interviewed the owner of Ayara Thai, that sealed the deal for us <laughs> because that's our favorite restaurant. We actually... Uh, had many of our early Zabs meetings at IRTI. And so we give them lots of credit for helping us develop our ideas. And uh, we had our quote board meetings there, right, PJ? (laughs) There were board meetings. They involved lots of uh, (laughs) singha and curries. Uh, They were good board meetings. (laughs) Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, we're so happy that we can gather up all the community here on Zoom. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Well, anyways, to answer your question, um, Zabs. So I used to be a sports agent and manage professional golfers for a living. And as a result, spent a a bunch of time in Florida um, where the PGA Tour is based, as well as a bunch of the golfers live there. And uh, one of my colleagues slash mentors when I was in town in Jacksonville brought me out to dinner at a fish place and asked me if I've ever heard of the dattle pepper, which I had not. And I actually, to be honest, wasn't a big hot sauce fan. Um, and I tried this hot sauce that he said was like a locally famous hot sauce. And I fell in love with it immediately. I bought a bottle from the restaurant and brought it home and started sharing with my friends, ended up buying some on their website before direct to consumer was really a big thing. I paid some absurd amount in shipping. Uh, bought a case of it, was giving it to friends and family. I love this stuff because it had this little natural sweetness to it um, and it wasn't overpowering of the food, but it had this gradual onset heat, as we now call the slow burn, which was really unique and really cool. You kind of felt it, it, heat, it kind of heats you up from the inside without burning your lips and your tongue the same way a habanero pepper might. So it was really cool, uh, the combination of flavor and the way it made you feel. So I was always in love with it. My friends fell in love with it. PJ was in the food business at the time, um, cooking professionally. And so um, we just kind of kept that in the back of our minds. And then years later, um, you know, PJ and I have been friends since the seventh grade, but um, probably six years from the time I first tried that pepper, 
we had started kicking around the idea of making our own. And so we did. And I got to give a quick shout out to our other partner, Josh, who is, uh, we're, we're, we're all low key guys, but he's particularly low key. So he wanted to let PJ and I speak for the team, but, uh, the three of us got together, um, trusted PJ's culinary training to help, uh, design the recipe and, uh, yeah. So PJ can maybe tell you a little bit more about how we landed on the, the two sauces that we made, but that's how we came up with the idea. So you had tried this, um, the sauce when you went to St. Augustine, um, and loved it so much. And I'm curious why, um, you know, there's sauces out there already that have this pepper, maybe not widely available. Mm -hmm. I was curious what your sort of, um, you know, reasoning behind creating your own sauce was. Did it have something to do with improving, improvement of, of this, uh, of, you know, making the best hot sauce you possibly can? Was it a hobby turned into, um, you know, something that you wanted to make money from? How, you know, why, why did you want to make um, this, even though there's, there's, there's sauces out there with this pepper? Uh, that's a great question, and, and I'll answer that. And, and PJ is the, the kitchen genius, so he can talk a lot about, again, how we made the sauce and how we continue to make the sauce. But in terms of why we decided to get into it, I mean, maybe we're partially just the right amount of crazy to give it a shot because you're right. There are a bunch of hot sauces out there. Everybody seems to have their own favorites. Um, they're the longtime, you know, longstanding champions like Tabasco and Sriracha that everybody knows and all the way down to Frank's and um, Louisiana. And we love all those. We love crystal hot sauce. Um, so we recognize that it's pretty competitive. The real answer is we just loved it. We thought it was extremely unique in its flavor, um, in that slow burn heat that really is more of a feeling than a taste. It kind of gradually heats you up and kind of awakens your senses and makes everything kind of really interesting and tastes better. So we just loved it ourselves is, is the honest answer and uh, thought it'd be really fun. We, I was really interested by the story. First of all, this pepper is sort of mythical and legendary in St. Augustine, Florida, which is a small town, but happens to be the oldest city in America. And so it's got this really unique history, but nobody knows about it from my experience outside of St. Augustine, Florida. So we thought that was really fascinating. Why is, why is, why didn't, why does nobody know about this um, outside of this town? Because it's so uniquely delicious. Um, and that story is so cool. And it's, you know, what makes it really interesting is the peppers roots, much like how you pronounce the name are sort of up in the air. And so some people in St. Augustine, most people think it came from Menorca in the 1700s. Some people think it came from Cuba or somewhere in South America, potentially in the 1800s. We just don't know. So it's like a classic American immigrant story. It ended up, we don't really know where it came from. It ended up in St. Augustine and that's very uniquely American. And we just thought, you know what? Number one, it tastes amazing. Number two, PJ and I have been best friends since seventh grade. So we thought it'd be fun to try and make something together that's just really simple. And if it makes a couple people happy and enjoy their meals a little more then it's a win for us. Um, and additionally, like, uh, just thought it was a cool story. You know, this is a cool pepper that nobody knows about. So why not give it a try? Um, and so we just started messing around with it and eventually we didn't know we were going to turn it into a big business. Uh, and it's not a big business. We're still super small and local and maybe one day it will become that. We just want to make a, a good product that makes people happy and that tastes really good. Um, and maybe one day it'll become a big thing. And, and one thing we looked at last point on that is when we looked at why is Tabasco so huge mm -hmm. and 
and we noticed that all their peppers and their whole operation is on a little island called Avery Island in Louisiana. We just thought, well, that's pretty cool. They've got a similar story. Why is, why is that the only real big classic American known hot sauce? And we thought it'd be cool to share this story of this pepper that comes from America's oldest city. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah. And let's get back to you, PJ, for what happens in the kitchen and how do you, you know, make the hot sauce. So I, I had a, a mentor of mine right after uh, graduating college. Uh, it was 2008. It wasn't a great time to uh, graduate college with a degree in construction management and real estate development. So I, uh, I always had a love and a passion for cooking. So uh, I basically just kind of walked into a restaurant and started, started cooking. Um, and one of my early mentors in cooking used to make uh, a hot sauce for, for family meal. Uh, which would be, you know, just the, the meal that, that the restaurant staff has before service, uh, where he just would like pickle a b- bunch of habaneros, basically just do a hot pickle of habaneros and blend them. Um, so in my mind, that's kind of where, where we started. Um, he's taking the peppers and carrots and onions and garlic and, and basically pickling them and then blending the, blending them. Um, so, you know, we always kind of wanted to have two varieties, which we, we ended up calling St. Augustine style in our original. Um, the St. Augustine style obviously uh, pays homage to the way that traditional dattle pepper sauces are made in St. Augustine. So uh, it's basically like a, a, a sweeter, uh, you know, we make a ketchup that's kind of the base of it um, and then add, you know, mustard powder and some other ingredients. Um, pineapple juice that makes our St. Augustine style. And then the original is much simpler and something that no one in St. Augustine really did with daddle peppers, which was just show off the flavor of of the daddle pepper itself. Um, So that one's a much simpler sauce. And we spent, I want to say from, you know, basically the entire summer of 2018 into the fall, uh, you know, every, every weekend we'd get together I would make a new batch of hot sauce. Uh, we'd try it. We'd comment on it. And the next week I'd, uh, I'd make more hot sauce. We did that for, <laughs> we did that for several, several months. Um, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of trial and error recipes before we finally landed on, on the formulas that we liked. And uh, yeah, that's basically how, how we came up with the, with the formulas, trial and error, just hard work. Um, <clears throat> how, how could you tell that, you were there, you know, when was the point where you were like, yeah, this is what we're going for. And are you still, are you still tinkering at all? Uh, well, the answer is PJ was about ready to kill us for. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to kill him for critiquing me every week. And I was just saying, you know, I think we're there. I think we're there. And yeah, we are still tinkering with the formula. I mean, if we want to get into, uh, the process of opening or creating a hot sauce and, and the regulations that the state put on puts on you to do that, we can, but uh, basically now if we want to tinker with the formula, we need to, you know, reapply for, for state licenses and stuff like that. And they come and retest the formulas and stuff. So it's a little bit harder now that we're, we're up and running. Um, but yes, like we, uh, we still would probably make improvements in the future. We did, I mean, our process was what PJ said is exactly right, but also we would take 
little squeeze bottles that we bought somewhere, I think on Amazon, and share them with family and friends. So we would just take new renditions of it and like go to my nephew's birthday party where they were having tacos and just kind of leave them out there and see what people's reaction was and um, get feedback from family and friends. And we tried to like, the, the challenging part about that is oftentimes family and friends kind of tell you what you want to hear. So we tried, we tried to find ways to make it so they almost didn't know that it was ours and see what their real reactions were and then try and get it as we started to get more confident, get it into the hands of people who we didn't know at all and see what their reaction was, which is actually where we met you guys once we finally started doing farmer's markets to get some um, real life feedback from our communities. And once we started to get that feedback, we felt like, oh, this is pretty cool. I think we got something great when people start to come back and spend their hard-earned money on it, that was very meaningful to us, and that gave us the confidence to say, I think we got something good. Yeah, and when we actually ran into you at the farmer's market, I remember that day exactly because we were talking about our favorite Hot Ones episodes <laughs> and, like, hot sauces in general, and then we just, like, ran into the stand, and you guys were like, oh, do you want to try our hot sauces? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> oh. it, was, uh, it was a little bit of divine intervention, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, no, we were happy. That was just an incredible experience for us. And, and we still intend on doing more farmers markets. Uh, hopefully once this COVID stuff starts to settle down and things normalize a bit, but um, just incredibly valuable experience to get feedback from people who are not our family and friends. Are you guys not at the farmers market right now? Um, we're not. We, when this started happening, um, and it became clear that it, it was going to, it was going to be a while. Uh, we made the decision, um, to stop doing farmer's markets. And then, um, the farmer's market operators eventually came around to telling us we could come back. We just decided that number one, um, well in no particular order, actually number one for us, we want people to try the product and mm. get feedback and actually sample it. And we're not able to do that now, which we completely understand. So without that, it doesn't make a ton of sense for us. You know, we have people, we ha we're fortunate to have some regulars who come back and look for us and um, we've got other ways for them to buy it now. But the other thing is we, you know, there are actual farmers there selling produce that they work so hard um, to produce and have no other place to sell it or limited other uh, avenues to sell it. So we think that in the name of keeping um, proper amounts of space for people to enjoy that kind of stuff, we just didn't feel like it was necessary for us to be there. We've got a shelf stable product that we can sell via our website, via retail shops. Um, so while we miss it and it's really valuable for us, we just thought it'd be more responsible of us to leave that space for someone else. Mm. That's a, that's a very extremely responsible choice that you guys made. That's very admirable. Um, how on that topic, how are you um, adapting your sort of business model to COVID is, is online shopping where it's at right now? Uh, yes. Yeah. yes. The end. <laughs> I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Miles take it, but we have definitely, uh, you know, as, as the farmer's markets fell off, we kind of had a, and our, you know, we were in a lot of uh, restaurants as well, doing, doing food, food service accounts. Uh, obviously those have kind of dried up for us as well, but um, the website, the direct to consumer stuff has really picked up, uh, you know, in March and, and through April too. So. Yeah. I'm sure PJ's staring at his phone. We got the Shopify app. It's become our favorite thing to look at as, as people order. 
I mean, we're still so small that it's real. every customer is super meaningful to us and we just get excited about every single one. So yeah, our, our, we've been really fortunate that our, our um, website business has been way up. Um, and again, still very modest compared to the big companies out there. We're just, you know, some local guys who make our sauce by hand, but it's been awesome because what we found is people who try our sauce um, seem to really love it. And they're really eager and willing to share it with their own followers and their own friends. And so, you know, we haven't spent a dollar on advertising, nor do we really plan to. Wow. Um, so we're fortunate that people are just sharing it and we're getting a bunch of organic growth, which has been awesome. Um, on the, on the production side, just to touch on that, yeah. not much has changed for us. I mean, PJ has, like I told you, professional cooking experience. So he's always been really diligent about safety measures in the kitchen, about masks and gloves and hand washing. And, um, we had to go through a pretty rigorous process with the California department of public health to get what's called a cannery license to manufacture shelf stable foods. So we've always been really diligent about, um, safety in the kitchen. Um, but in terms of our, our business, yeah, we've had to adjust as PJ said, I mean, we, we stopped doing the farmer's markets, which was a big revenue source for us early on. And then we had restaurants where it was really, to be honest, central to our strategy was we didn't want to be sort of a new age digital marketing company. We wanted to be a food company and we wanted people to discover and share our product through real life um, food experiences. And so restaurants were a critical part of that. We thought if we make the product taste amazing and if we make it look familiar and nostalgic and um, kind of the same way we want it to look in our minds, then we thought that if restaurants would put it out on their tabletops for people to enjoy, you know, our hope was one day, hopefully it could become ubiquitous like a Tabasco where it's in every restaurant on the table for people to try. And then they go to their grocery store and can buy it because they've already tried it. So we had a few restaurants that were doing that early on. Um, shout out Croft Alley, uh, as well as um, the Rose in Venice, um, formerly known as Rose Cafe. Um, Chef Jason Neroni um, gave us a shot there and put our product on all the tables and it was our best account and they were flying through product as people were just putting it on all kinds of stuff and enjoying it. And, um, that was huge for us and that shut down overnight. So cool. we definitely had to adjust there. We have, you know, very few retail outlets. We work with some general stores. We work with farm shop and the Brentwood country mart, which is awesome. Um, they've, we've just sort of observed how, um, restaurants and little, um, mini markets, have sort of pivoted and adjusted and turned themselves into little mini grocery stores. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to work with them on that farm shop has been great for us. We've got a butcher shop in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, that has zabs on a fried chicken sandwich, but also retails the product. So now we're looking at restaurants and figuring out in the absence of people sitting at tables and sharing condiments, how can we maybe utilize um, gallons in the back of the house and then, help them create new revenue streams by retailing our hot sauce on their shelves in the restaurants or on their Postmates or um, Grubhub stores, whatever it may be. So we've been forced to get creative, but at the end of the day, we're just really grateful that um, people who have tried it like it and have a propensity to share it on their social media. And that's driven a lot of traffic to our website, but going forward, we're, we've decided we're ready to um, start to make a play at some grocery stores. So, and, that, and we're going to start small, you know, we're looking at, in Los Angeles, obviously a very meaningful one is Erewhon, you know, sort of a leading natural grocer that's um, small enough where we can manage it directly. We, as I've said, we make the sauce, we 
drop off the orders. We do it all. So they'd be a very manageable one that people know and people I think look to, to try new interesting things. So, um, if anyone from Erewhon is listening, shout out Erewhon, give us a call. <laughs> yeah. And besides COVID-19, um, what are some of the challenges that you face that you weren't expecting when you uh, entered this really niche hot sauce business? Okay. You know, I, I think, I think the, the most surprising thing was really the, the level of regulation from the state. You know, mm. we, were, we were expecting a hot sauce, you know, shoot, I should be able to make that in my kitchen and, and sell it to my friends at the farmer's market or whatever. No, no problem. But, um, very early on, thankfully before we, uh, really started going, uh, thanks to our own diligence and research, you know, we figured out, uh, that the state requires if you, if you're going to take a fr fresh ingredients. So, you know, we use fresh carrots, fresh onions, fresh garlic, fresh dattle peppers. If you're going to take those and, and preserve them using, using vinegar through acidification. Um, you need, uh, as miles mentioned, a cannery license. Um, so, Miles and I had to go take a week-long class at Chapman University on food acidification and get you know certified in in thermal processing and all kinds of interesting things. Um, and then you know they, there was a very rigorous inspection. The state inspector came to our little shared commercial kitchen space and was there for six hours while we produced and bottled a batch and you know wrote pages and pages of reports on it. I mean, it's really uh, it's actually comforting to know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, the state takes it seriously and that, you know, it's a, it's kind of a heavily regulated uh, industry, uh, which I, I was not expecting that at all. And so that was a, that was an early hurdle for us to jump. And, you know, we just got uh recertified at our new, at our new facility. So that's great. We'll be able to, you know, produce a little bit more, uh, which is needed. So that's great. Yeah, I echo that. PJ's point is the biggest one for sure. Um, we just didn't know. There's no handbook. If you're setting out to start a food company, what do you? What licenses do you need? What um, what permits? Where do you where do you start? How do you determine the shelf life? How do you determine all these things? So, we just we just didn't to to go down the list of things we didn't expect. It would take us hours, <laughs> um, maybe days, but. I think the cool thing is when you set, uh, we just set out with the intention to figure it out. And if we knew all the challenges that we were going to be facing, we might not have done it. And I'm sure you hear that all the time, but that's the truth is we originally even considered using um, contract manufacturers or co-packers as they're called, like to make the product for us. Mm -hmm. And we very quickly realized um, no disrespect to them, but you know, they like to keep their processes very streamlined we wanted to use a very particular bottle for our sauce that looks and feels nostalgic and is an obvious hot sauce bottle. And it was too challenging for some of them to fill. They didn't want to um, have to install new equipment on their line. So it wasn't worth it for them. We felt like the taste wasn't exactly consistent. So it was through those unexpected challenges that we ultimately ended up making it ourselves. And I just, you know, I couldn't be happier that it ended up that way because we've just learned so much and we've got so much oversight over our own product. I enjoy nothing more than, you know, being in the kitchen with PJ and Josh and making hot sauce. And it just, you know, I think it enhances our story. It's our own. We take great pride in the quality um, that we do all this stuff ourselves, but the, the challenges are, the challenges are just 
constant and we learn along the way. And as long as you have that intent and you communicate and you're not afraid of those things happening and things going wrong all the time, we end up finding a way to get through it. With that being said, we're still very early. So, you know, something could derail us at any moment, but you come to expect that. And uh, we just take it. We just take things one by one. Um, I have so many questions right now. First, really quick, how, how early are you? When, when, was, when did you create Zabs? Uh, as PJ said, we started making recipes in the summer of 2018. So okay. almost two years ago, but years. the reality is we didn't really launch the business until November of last year, 2019. So it took us a year and a half to really start. Um, and that was because we were messing with recipes. Right. And then as PJ mentioned, we spent six plus months working on getting a cannery license so that we could manufacture it ourselves and call it shelf stable. And that was important to us because we wanted to have the product on tabletops at restaurants where it didn't have to be refrigerated. We wanted to um, build a direct to consumer business where it could be shipped without refrigeration. So it took us a long time. And we, yeah, we officially launched in November of last year, starting with just farmers markets. Wow. Uh, I think we finally launched the website, very bare bones end of last year. So just in time for the holidays last year, but yeah, we're very early and we were just getting some great momentum going when the COVID situation hit and you know, we've got nothing to complain about. We're very fortunate that we were early enough where we could make adjustments and, and be very nimble. Whereas other companies were super invested in certain um, channels of trade or different um, tactics that are probably a lot harder to unwind and adjust. So, you know, we consider ourselves very lucky in that way. Yeah. yeah I'm curious about that investment that you mentioned. Um, have you had to invest in like um, any physical, you know, property or any like equipment? Um, what sort of time investment are you three investing and any other labor? Is it just you three now or do you have also other it's, uh, so for now, it's just the three of us. Um, when we first started, right when we got our cannery license was September of 2019. We started in a small, uh, like, shared space kitchen where we'd rent it out by, you know, four-hour blocks. And we basically would do it on Saturday. Miles has a full-time job. I've got a full-time job. Um, Josh is basically our only full-time Zabs employee. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, we kind of outgrew that relatively quickly. So we're just finishing up moving right now into our new commercial kitchen facility that that's ours. It's not shared by anybody else. Wow. So. Congratulations. But, uh, it's just, yeah, it's just the three of us. We literally cooked every drop of the hot sauce, put all in the bottles, screwed on every cap, put on every label. Um, just the three of us. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think other startups probably spend a lot of money on, uh, on labor and and other resources that you could just do you could do it yourself if you uh if you're willing to make the the time sacrifice so you know yeah. i would say i probably spend two hours in the evening and then all day saturday and sunday on zabs um yeah it's uh it's definitely requires a lot of sacrifice and another shout out to my girlfriend shauna thank you for letting me work saturdays and sundays and think about and talk about hot sauce all day long when I'm not. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's, it's a ton of work, but, and we, you know, we're committed to remaining pretty lean just so that we can be nimble and focus on things um, opportunity based. So as, as demand grows, we can scale with that. 
and we never wanted to overinvest in things that sounded like a good idea or um, to make ourselves feel important or bigger than we are. We were willing to sort of take our time and as PJ said, work out of a shared kitchen, which was just fantastic for us at the time. But as we started to get great feedback and people were buying our hot sauce and, and more people wanted to buy our hot sauce, we knew that um, at some point we'd have to sort of take a leap of faith and invest in our own space mm-hmm. so we could have more flexible hours. And, you know, we were going in Thursday nights until, you know, midnight or later. Uh, and then PJ would have to go back and I'd have to go back to work on Friday. And that was challenging. We were tired and um, it was a bit of a grind and traffic was not very friendly going downtown on a Thursday during rush hour. So yeah, we eventually had to, um, you know, put together our resources and um, invest in our own space. And we've actually also recently invested in some new equipment um, that will allow us to move a little bit faster. So mm-hmm. we haven't really started using it yet. We're, we're going to grow into it with demand, as I said, but yeah, we have, Based on the early feedback, since we've started to get some love and our business is growing, um, we decided to make that investment and and buy some equipment of our own, so that you know if those grocery opportunities come along, um, bigger customers and our website continues to grow, that we're ready to produce enough hot sauce to meet that demand. Um, so that's where we are now. Sorry, Blizz, I have one more super quick question. It's just related. Of to course, this. go ahead. Um, um, how many are you turning out? right now and how many do you expect to be producing with this new equipment um you know we are like i said still very small the new equipment allows us to move at least five times faster we don't like to talk necessarily about exactly what our sales are and what we're doing but um you know we're in the couple hundred cases a month range right now uh pretty small but small but mighty and the cool thing for us is that we have not, I, I do sales for, for a living. I work for a beverage company, um, an electrolyte beverage. And so I work with distributors, I work with retailers, and I know what it's like to push really hard on sales. And we are fortunate that we just haven't even done that yet. We're more focused on, you know, we probably have 10 retailers across the country and some of them are just like little general stores or even like a magazine newsstand that sells hot sauce. So we are more focused on meeting the growing demand of our existing customers than pushing hard to grow our customer base Mm -hmm. and make those people happy. And same thing with our website. You know, we've gotten um, through Shopify, we can see who are the return customers. And whereas we're, you know, most people expect to, I got some information from a friend who used to work at Frank's who told me that, you know, people typically buy one or two bottles a year. We've got people buying a bottle on our website and then coming back two weeks later and buying two and then a couple <laughs> later buying a case. And we're just really fortunate that it's grown organically. So yeah, a couple hundred cases a month for now, nothing crazy, but um, we want to start manufacturing more and we want to start knocking on some grocery doors because we've gotten enough feedback that gives us the confidence to think that that investment is worthwhile and that people actually want it. So we're, we're listening to our consumers more than we're out there growing for the sake of growing. Awesome. Thank you for that answer. And you say that you're relatively small, but um, hot sauce uh, in general and hot sauce collecting is a pretty big hobby now. So mm. are those that are into hot sauces an essential part of your clientele or is it usually the everyday person who just enjoys putting some hot sauce on their like bowls and meals? That's an amazing question, Blaze. Um, so 
we've gotten a little combination of both. To be honest, when we set out, we made a very intentional decision that we weren't going to focus on the hardcore hot sauce community. And no disrespect to them, we respect um, that community big time and we love to get their feedback too. But we realized, you know, to boil it down to why we got into it, I fell in love with this pepper because it wasn't super overwhelming. It was hot and flavorful. Um, more than it was just like punch you in your mouth type of heat. And so we wanted to honor that. And we felt like at least early on, you know, we, we've had some people say, you know, we'd like it to be even hotter and we listen to them and we mess around with it in the kitchen for fun, but we're focused on serving again, listening to our consumers. And we've had a lot of people who are um, not usually big hot sauce fans fall in love with our St. Augustine style one because it's a little bit sweeter a little more full flavored and then more traditional hot sauce fans seem to like the original a little bit more. This is just early data and perception, but since it's like a, a, a like PJ said, a little bit simpler, traditional vinegar based hot sauce, um, hot, hot sauce, traditionalists seem to really like it and we get, we get great feedback. So we're not, we're not, um, not paying attention to what hot, hardcore hot sauce people think, we're just putting it out there and letting it take its own course and trying to trying to observe what the reaction is. And so far it's been a little bit of a combination of both. Very cool. Um, I saw, uh, while I was doing research, I saw a, um, somebody posted on the r slash hot sauces on Reddit, I think last Christmas, um, your hot sauce, your, your package of both of your original in St. Augustine and said, Something like, you know, Christmas time is here, <laughs> you know. Um, and they really enjoyed your hot sauce. They said it was like their favorite ever. Um, um, so, you know, I think you might be getting ingrained in that part of the community um, regar- regardless. Um, well, that's an honor to us. You know, like I said, we, we just, it's not that we didn't want to focus on that. We just felt like um, with respect to them, we know they know their stuff. And if we can, if we can, you know, again, being in the sales business in consumer packaged goods, if you can grow an existing category and bring new people into that category, that's really the gold standard. That's, that's, um, you know, that's a huge business opportunity, Mm -hmm. but we just wanted to make people happy. We wanted people to enjoy this and make their food. If their meal is 1% better and it makes them smile, then we've done our job. And so, um, the fact that yeah, we, we saw that Reddit post and, um, that guy reached out to us and actually he makes hot sauce too. And I bought some of his, um, on his, uh, I think it was like a GoFundMe or something like that Kickstarter. But, um, it's an honor for us because we respect the traditional hot sauces. We study the traditional hot sauces. We still haven't taken our Hoi Fong Sriracha, um, tour yet, but once they uh, allow us to do so, we want to come up in there and check it out. And yeah, we study the moves of successful people in the business and we um, definitely admire those traditional hot sauces and traditional hot sauce fans. So their feedback is super valuable to us and we're, we're happy that they see, they seem to have embraced us um, so far. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about the spiciness of the hot sauce, uh, I was looking through your website and I saw that the sauce scores uh, to like hundred thousand and between hundred thousand and three hundred thousand on the Scoville heat scale, um, which is a measurement of spiciness. So 
I was wondering why is it a range, first of all, and does that score mean anything for your consumers or for you? So, so the, the 100 to 300,000 Scoville unit range is actually the range of the Daddle Peppers themselves in, in their raw state. Um, so most of them will have a range, I think, depending on, you know, the ripeness of when they're picked, the, the weather conditions, where they were grown, all that stuff would vary uh, the actual heat level of the peppers. Uh, to give people an idea, um, the one to 300,000 range is going to be, you know, where your scotch bonnet and habanero peppers are. Um, so they're relatively spicy. We feel like, you know, if, if we put too many daddle peppers into our sauces, uh, you know, we, it would probably be overpoweringly hot and would take away from, from some of the natural flavor of the pepper. So we, you know, we just balance it with, with other ingredients and, and the amount that we use. Um, you know, our original wheat, it's got, you know, lots of carrots in it, for example, which bring, bring natural sweetness and, and help balance the, the daddle peppers out. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's the pepper themselves, basically. So that's why, that's why there's a range. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's a great question. And you remind me that I should probably update the website to clarify that a little bit. <laughs> that feedback is very helpful. But um, yeah, as PJ said, we, there are labs you can send the actual sauce off to that'll give you a measurement of Scoville units of your actual sauce, which we do intend to do just to give people a little more clarity around that. But that was the whole art form. And that's where PJ was pretty masterful in the kitchen was we knew that the pepper itself had a natural sweetness to it. And we knew that the most magical thing about it was that slow burn where it wasn't overpowering, but you definitely felt it and it was super unique. And so the, the name of the game was trying to find that right balance and, um, and not make it, you know, over, not make it feel like 300,000 Scoville units, mm-hmm. um, give you, but give you enough to, to, to wake you up a little bit. And I think uh, I, I'm pretty happy with where we landed with that. Back when, to give you an idea, back when we were doing farmer's markets, we had, one one young lady who came by and, and said that it wasn't spicy enough. So I told her to come back the next <laughs> week. And I I made some spicy stuff that week for her out of, out of Daddle Peppers. And, uh, you know, so, you know, there's room to make extremely spicy ones, Daddle Pepper sauces for people that want them. But, uh, you know, right now we're kind of focused at the at the, the masses, you know, what's mm-hmm. going to please the most people as opposed to what's going to please the fringes of uh, – people that enjoy to hurt themselves with hot sauce. <laughs> and if you want to ask uh, any of our former um, side-by-side tenants in our old commercial kitchen who we shared space with, when we were making hot sauce, it would make people cough and sneeze and feel all kinds of ways. So that was another reason why we opted for investing in our own space because when you chop those peppers up and you're cooking those peppers, Woo. and even when you're cleaning the pots and pans, it's, it, they're hot. They're really hot. <laughs> Um, on the on the other end of the fringe, for those people who are like, I can't handle anything. You know, I can't. I, I'm I'm a wimp with spice. What do you What do you say? Um, or, or you know, how do you How did you think about those sort of people? Um, I would say that's what what kind of the Saint Augustine sauce is intended for. Hmm. And and you can just put one little drop on and start there. I guarantee you, you'll be fine with one drop. <laughs> uh, it won't hurt anybody and then build build up your tolerance from there i think uh you know like anything else to- uh, enjoyment and tolerance of spicy food is something that you can you can build so yeah. you can train yeah. yourself start from 
start slowly and and then try hotter and hotter and hotter stuff but uh and that's where that's where we came up with our our slogan which we ultimately trademarked that's dab of zabs we just you know if you uh have a lower tolerance just put a little dab on whatever it is you're eating and mix it in there and uh if you like more heat i assure you that if you layer it on there um that dattle pepper heat will build up on you gradually and it kind of sneaks up on you you're eating it and it's very flavorful and it doesn't hit you up front that slow burn and as you continue to eat your food it'll start to make you sweat over time we've actually had people back when we were doing farmers markets that would have tried it and you could tell just by the look on their face they didn't really think it was hot enough and then you could watch them turn around and walk away maybe 20 or 25 steps and then just do a 180 and come right back and say never mind i'll, I'll take a bottle yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. the slow burn works Um, that happened to me too, actually, because I'm not, I'm not really good with spices. Um, and when I first tried it, I was like, Oh, this is, this is not bad. This is not like a hot sauce, but then, you know, the slow burn effect, um, I kind of felt something in my mouth and I was like, Oh, now I get it. But, um, I, I, I liked the overall taste of it. So it didn't stop me from buying it at all. And I now put it on everything. <laughs> Thank you. Like yeah, while, say, while we say a dab is as, we, we are not opposed to using more than a dab. <laughs> um, have you tried it um, as like a, a sort of cooking, um, you know, product, I guess, instead of like, you know, putting it on top of your taco or whatever, you know, or burrito or anything um, after it's cooked, have, have you experimented with like using it in sauces or, um, you know, what in during the cooking process? Uh, yeah, we have. So um, on New Year's, I actually cooked for, uh, for Miles and Josh and uh, Miles's girlfriend, uh, like a four course uh, Zab's tasty menu kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> where every uh every course had zabs in it there was no dessert i don't know i don't do pastry. but uh <laughs> but yeah i think i think the winner of that was uh i braised some short ribs uh with a whole bottle of saint augustine in there you know just a, a standard you know red wine braised short ribs but to dump the bottle of saint augustine in there and when uh when the sauce reduced and i i was glazing the short ribs it was you know all the you know it's got some sugar and some pineapple juice in there and it'll caramelized beautifully it was great i think that was probably the winner yeah um, no, I, pre I love that question henry thank you for asking that because most people assume hot sauce you just you know drop some on your tacos or um stuff like that but we definitely encourage cooking with it um i'm not one millionth the cook that pj is for sure but um I like really simple stuff even like i'll just pour some when i'm grilling some onions to put into tacos or something else I'll put some St. Augustine into the onions as I'm grilling them and it creates a little more flavor and heat. And then, uh, my girlfriend, Shauna definitely puts a healthy amount of original into pasta sauce. And that's one of, uh, my new favorite things is it just, you feel it kind of the heat creep up on you on, on the back end. It doesn't overpower the flavor at all. You cook it into the pasta sauce and it just adds another dimension. So we definitely, um, personally love to cook with it and encourage others to do the same it's also great with cocktails i've noticed because when you're <laughs> when you're trying to make spicy cocktails it just like blends with the liquids really easily so that's, that's one of the, uh, 
one of Miles and I's best friends from back from middle school days too, uh, Jeff. He he shared some photos of making uh, Bloody Marys with it. So I know people do it, and maybe one day there'll be a uh, a Daddle Pepper Bloody Mary mix. You never know. There you go. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, and speaking of how we can use the hot sauce, um, I read that recently hot sauce overtook ketchup, mustard and mayonnaise as the number one condiment. Why do you guys think that is? Well, I think that's, I think it's fastest growing condiment. Ketchup, I think in total volume is still huge and mayo is still huge. Hot sauce is growing really quickly. And I, you know, I, I don't know exactly, but I think that there are a number of factors to attribute to that. I think there's a, a growing influence of you know, immigrant culture in the United States in general. And so people are more tuned in with different flavors and spices and are more open-minded to that kind of stuff. So trying more stuff, getting more familiar with those kind of things. Um, number one, number two, I think that, um, you know, you mentioned like pop culture, you mentioned hot ones, the TV show or sort of, um, uh, internet show. And it's stuff like that that has made hot sauce part of culture. Personally, my biggest belief is that in this day and age of, Instagram, social media, um, people sharing and self-expression that hot sauce is just a really cool way to individualize whatever it is that you're eating or doing. I mean, we look at it like it's like a watch, you know, you can show up to a party or a lunch or dinner, whatever it may be with your own hot sauce. And that's an expression of yourself. You're bringing your own flavor to the table. You're bringing um, something unique and it's, it's really fun for me as, like I said, a sales uh, professional the process is so much different with, with Zabs because um, I was able to just go into restaurants and bring it because I genuinely like to eat it on just about everything I eat. And I'd sit down and eat it and automatically the waitress or waiter or chef would come over and spark up a conversation about what is that. And there's just so much curiosity that I think comes from this age of self-expression and food being such a huge part of that with Instagram culture and then hot sauce is just this really nimble, versatile um, product that you can mix in with different stuff. And again, it just, I believe that's the biggest thing to attribute is people wanting to um, express themselves much like they do with clothing. It, this is a, what hot sauce you eat, you can, change, you can change it like you change outfits, like you change hats. And I like to mix this hot sauce with that food. Or, you know, I like to shout out to Gucci, the Korean spot right by UCLA that does like, um, they do, um, <laughs> what do you call it? Chop And, uh, they do like a steak teriyaki thing. I like Sriracha with that, to be honest with you. So people like different hot sauces with different stuff. It's a, it's a source of self-expression, I think. And that's why I think people are so willing to try new ones and then are so willing to share them on their own social media um, when they like it. And we've just been, we've, we've been able to benefit from that. I think the fact that people have not been able to go out and enjoy local restaurants quite as much, you know, we still try and go pick up and support local restaurants as much as we can. And because we're kind of lazy and want to um, eat their food anyway. But I think that um, in the absence of being able to go out and post and share what you're eating in these amazing dishes, People look for that sense of self-expression at home. So they're making something or bringing something home and the hot sauce they choose to dress that up is, um, is a, is a um, statement about themselves. I would also say that food, uh, you know, whether it be because people are eating healthier or 
you know, it's mass produced food. The, the flavor isn't, you know, what it once was, you know, the, the eggs you get aren't as flavorful as probably eggs that people used to buy. Everyone's, you know, trying to eat healthier these days. And right. Uh, so hot sauce is a healthy way uh, to add flavor to, to food that might otherwise be somewhat bland. Um, so I think that probably has some effect on it as well. Yep. I think that's a wonderful place to end it on. The, um, the, the, the amazing variety and, and self-expression of hot sauce. I think that's pretty beautiful. Um, I'd just like to ask y'all, um, where can we and any listeners and everybody support you right now? Uh, where are you selling and how can customers get your sauce? Well, thanks, Henry. We appreciate you guys um, talking hot sauce with us. It's a lot of fun. It's a passion. Like we said a million times, PJ and I both have day jobs, and um, and Josh is out there working super hard to fulfill people's orders. I'm sure he's packing up what we call Zab's packs right now uh, for our website, which is one bottle of original, one bottle of St. Augustine. So to answer your question, um, the easiest place we can direct you to is our website, www.zabssauce.com, two S's, Z-A-B-S-S-A-U-C-E.com. And we do um, free shipping on all hot sauce. So um, we can ship anywhere in the United States, free shipping on the sauce, um, gives anybody a chance to try it. And then hopefully you'll see us popping up at more and more stores um, soon. But you can also check our website where um, we've got a list of some of the local spots that we also sell the product, restaurants we work with. That was our interview with Miles and PJ, creators of Zab's Daddle Pepper Hot Sauce. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys. It's a pleasure.